Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Move Forward Dr. Kim Moss. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Moss, as usual. And today we are continuing our summer series on the covenant. It's a 10-week study on the covenant with our great friend and guest, Dr. Alan Hawkins. Now, as I've told you each and every week, I think that you should get a notebook and have a pen ready and so that you can take notes and have your Bible ready too. And we will go through this series together. Now, this is the third in a 10-part series. They're about an hour long each time. So you're going to want to go back if you haven't already and you want to listen to number one and number two. You can start with this one today if you want to, but they each build one upon the other. And so it's a 10-week series. You're going to want to hear all 10. Start with number one, go to number two, catch up, and join us today. So let's bring on Dr. Hawkins. Hi, Alan. So glad you're with us today. Hi, Kim. Glad to be going at it again. All right. Well, here we go. So do you want me to bring up your slides already or do you want to give us a little recap? Well, I, I, uh, I think that as much material as we have to cover, I won't do much recap. Last week was an introduction to the idea of covenant um, and this week we kind of start in with the book of Genesis and okay. very interestingly, most of the covenant story is ingrained in the, in the book of Genesis so that the whole Bible then is tethered to this theme that, that is unrelenting as God unfolds um, the first few covenants uh, that that unfold this covenant story, uh, he he unpacks them in the book of Genesis, and it's it's a lot. Well, I think that you both we both couldn't remember that in our doctoral studies, John Ruthven used to always tell us that Genesis one to three was the thesis statement of the entire Bible. Yes, it's and pretty true. <laughs> yes. It's very true, and it, it's a it's a tightly packed narrative of of the creation story, and then of the of God's covenant with mankind. All right. Well, here's the. Did you? I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? Nope. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> this is week number three, and uh, the the little bit of recap that I will do. Is that, um, is that when you read Luke's gospel and Jesus is walking with them on the, the road to Emmaus, we read this phrase, and um, it's on the next slide, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And I'll just say, Kim, that, um, the church fathers 
became very, very uh, eager to see Jesus everywhere in the Old Testament. And they were not hesitant about it at all. And there was a time when I thought that they were a little bit extreme. And then I noticed that the Apostle Paul did exactly the same thing. Uh, again, in 1 Corinthians, as I often refer to so far in this study, uh, in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he said they all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink. And they drank from the rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Now, Kim, nowhere in the Old Testament do we read that. <laughs> that's, no. <laughs> that's, that's Paul interpreting Christ in the Moses story. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he takes that liberty from Jesus himself, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets. He interpreted to them and all the things, the scriptures concerning himself. So um, as you'll see in the next piece, when, when, we says, when it says beginning with Moses, um, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. That's Moses. So when you say beginning with Moses, you're not saying beginning with the Moses story. You're saying beginning with Moses, the author. And um, again, I just outlined it here. Genesis is creation and covenant. Exodus is covenant people and their God. Leviticus is the overseers of the covenant sacrifices. Numbers is the covenant people and army of God in the earth. Deuteronomy is the covenant code redo. Uh, Deuteronomy means second law. And oftentimes when people unpack covenant, they unpack not only the law of Moses, but they unpack, uh, unpack Deuteronomy, which is the re-giving of the law. I treat them as one. And uh, because I treat law as, as, as one major issue. So this is Moses and um, and then the other thing that is kind of helpful, I think, is to is to relook at some of the examples of covenants that were made between those are God things, but covenants that are made between humans. And so I have a few examples of covenants that are made between humans, a, a list of four of them in this next piece, which is um, um, Abraham and Abimelech. Uh, the Oath of the Sevens. That's mm -hmm. uh, Abraham and Abimelech fighting over the, the well. Uh, by the way, the Abimelech story with Abraham is one of my favorite in the Bible. And uh, we will cover that when we get to the Abraham story. The Abraham story is just incredible. And yeah. we'll love that. Um, last week, I talked about Joshua and the Gibeonites and um, how they were deceived into that union. Uh, I did not mention, but David and Jonathan is the, is the one uh, covenant that is most well known to people, Kim. That's uh, yeah. what's interesting about that is David was God's elect and Jonathan was the heir of the covenant. And so here was Jonathan making a covenant with David 
that would be detrimental to Jonathan himself, but that would prefer David over himself. And if he had been of his father's heart, then Jonathan would have been grabbing for the throne and trying to kill David. But yeah. uh, Jonathan, like David, had a heart for God. And um, he honored his covenant with David and, and protected David to the end. And then we won't have time to go into Zedekiah and Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Judah's king and the pagan conqueror who <laughs> made a covenant. So those are some examples of human covenants that are made. And one of the reasons that we, we do this is because, Kim, when I said that there are that um, that there are different kinds of covenants, one of the things that becomes difficult, and I and I want to be caution, I want to cautionary with our re, with our hearers. Um, we're very keen to make covenants. And Far too often, covenants become brand new power arrangements for mm. people to gain advantage over someone. That's not why you do covenant. Um, but, uh, you know, so when people hear about God's covenant with Israel and its unconditionality, then they want to say, well, they want to conflate that into covenants that they make with people and basically get people to swear oaths of allegiance that like the shepherding movement and Kim, those are very sick things and the Bible does not advocate that. And that's why I pointed out that um, the unconditional covenant of God was where God says, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. I'm going to do all the work. And then the, yeah. the marriage covenant is more of a parity covenant where two equal partners come together, giving themselves and so um, all of that brings us to the covenant of life, which we will unpack in, uh, in a way that I want to show you. Uh, Kim, I think you're going you're gonna to like this a little bit because I like to talk about uh, When I study the book of uh, Genesis, um, in Reformed theology, they often have a covenant of works in there. So yeah. they say... God gave, God gave man um, um, an assignment and he fell into sin. And uh, that's, not, that's not what the creation covenant was. So if I'm looking for the way to call the, the book of Genesis, especially the, the first chapter, uh, I would prefer the creation covenant or the Edenic covenant or the covenant of life. And and typically I've chosen to, to use the phrase, the covenant of life. Um, and in the covenant of life, it unpacks God's original intention for the human race. And as you can see that in our next piece here. Um, I see that, but I want to, I want to go back just for a minute. Cause I'm, I don't think I understand where uh, you said in Reformed theology, it's a covenant of works. Can you? Well, the idea is that, that, a bit? that God gave man a job. And in order to be approved, he had to fulfill his job. And he failed to fulfill his job. And, and um, 
and I didn't actually, I'm glad you called me back to this because I didn't actually say what I think you will like about this. Oh. Kim, I think um, the creation covenant is completely a relational covenant of grace mm-hmm. in which rather than being tethered to um, a law, you shall not uh, partake of this tree. Mm-hmm. The, rather than that being the central issue, the issue was that they were tethered to the voice of God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, so. because the the question in the garden was, will man live by every word that proceeds? Because they they God spoke to them. They heard his voice. And um, but they didn't they didn't stick with what he said. They didn't continue in obedience, which you talked about the very first the very our very first time together about how Jesus fulfilled everything through his obedience. To God. And we will we will come back to look at that again in next week's session as uh, as we look at more at chapters two and three. Uh, the covenant of life pretty much centers on chapter one and and the events of chapter one and what we can mine out of there. Kim, a lot of people uh, point out that there's two creation stories. And, you know, I understand that. But really, there's the creation story. And then there's the story of God's uh, relationship with the man and the woman. And so really, it's simply a matter of, like some of the old scholars used to say that they couldn't have been written by the same author. And I'm like, "Mm, absolutely, they can be. And one of the first things you have to learn about how Hebraic people write uh, throughout Mm -hmm. the Old Testament is that, well, New Testament as well, is that they're repetitive. So they'll tell a story and then they'll retell it. So the creation story is told in chapter one, and then basically it's retold in chapter two from the perspective of um, the creation of man and the fall. But it's the same story. Yeah, same uh, story. Yeah, same story. So that brings us to God's original intention. And most people get hold of this, but um, then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And um, so God's original intention, one, man is to be in the image of God and two, Man is made to rule and reign over God's creation. So this is a royal (laughs) priesthood from the very beginning. It's a royal priesthood. It's a a ruler who represents God. Mm. We'll we'll talk more about the image of God, but let's go back a little bit more. I want to point out something that... Mike's theological students struggle with. Then God said, let us make man in our (laughs) 
image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Okay, let us. Um, and so I'm just going to point out here that, that um, first-year theological students all make the same mistake here by saying the Trinity is in this passage. It is not mm. in this passage. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a number of reasons for that, but um, the, the let us make man in our image is um, there is, the, you have the plural of God, which is Elohim. Now, this name for God, Kim, is, this name for God is, is um, the, the best way I can say it is that this name functions more like our name for God when we simply say, and God said. Because, Kim, our word God is used in a variety of ways. And when we've said God, we haven't said very much about our faith. Hmm. In fact, I don't even like it when people say, well, I've, uh, I've, I'm getting restored to my faith in God or I'm, got, I'm, I'm following God now. I'm, I don't like it at all. I always tell people I want to hear who God is. And so I want them to talk about Jesus. And, and because, listen, God can be used for God the gods, um, a beautiful actress, a great athlete. We use God in very many generic ways. Yeah. And then, Kim, one of the things that people don't understand is that the word Elohim in the Old Testament is, yes, primarily used for Yahweh, but the word Elohim is basically the generic word for God in the Old Testament because some of the Elohim are not Yahweh. So Yahweh is always Elohim, but Elohim is not always Yahweh. And, and so when we say, then God said, let us make man, um, people want to know what do we have working here, and and we have a plural for God, and we have a plural for let us make. But then what we're going to get is God's God Elohim makes, and so um, I believe that we're better suited to understand that there's that what this passage uh, is given us in the uh, plural is much more akin to a reference to the divine counsel idea in the old Testament scriptures. Now that'll throw people for a loop, but if you study, yep. <laughs> Have you dug into this, Kim? No, I have not. So this is this is new to me, and uh, 
So the how is the divine council different than the Trinity? That's that would be my question. Well, I'm saying that the Trinity is not is simply there's no there's no basis biblically for finding the Trinity in the plural for God because um, that's that's. Uh, Put it this way, that's a real bad way to try to witness to Jewish people. You're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> okay. So when it says, <laughs> let us make man in our image, our image after our likeness, you said right. this is this is more a, akin to the divine council. So what is I'm the saying divine? God has other divine imagers. And people Meaning, know, this, know this instinctively. Yeah. Before God created humans, he mm -hmm. created other beings. Those so other you're talking beings, about like angels, like angels. And is that what you mean? Well, I want to say yes, but I also want to say, you know, if you look into the Bible, you have you have different categories of of angels. But I'm saying that that um, the angels would be a, a general rubric that we would that we would find them in, but in in uh, in Psalm eighty two, yeah, I've walked myself into a corner, so I have to do this. <laughs> um, uh, I had not I had not been keen to this understanding for a long time. In Psalm 82, we read, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Mm -hmm. The gods are the Elohim. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And he goes on to verse 6. He says, I have said you are gods. You are Elohim. Verse 6. Yes. Sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like men and uh, or like men you shall die and fall like any prince. Now that passage is a mind blower and is often overlooked by us. And um, a wonderful teacher named Michael Heiser helped open my eyes to how to understand this passage. Michael Heiser is with the Lord now. And uh, he, he knows as he is known. And he can probably tell us more, more clearly about this. But note this, God says he's taken his place in the midst of the gods, the Elohim. That word is the Elohim. See that? Yeah, I do. And he's called it a divine council. And then in verse 6, he tells us who they are. I've said you are gods, Elohim. Sons of the Most High, all of you, but you will die like men. Hmm. 
All of us, Kim, believe that there's been some kind of a rebellion, not only in the earth, but the heavens. Yeah. All right. That means that God, according to this passage, God has other imagers who are divine, who are called sons of the Most High. But they are so created. They're created. They are created beings. God is yes. the only uncreated. God is uncreated life. Yeah. And the Trinitarian God, and he's revealed as a Trinitarian God. I just say it's not here. Okay. And so when, when God said, let us, I'm saying this is God addressing the divine council. As you would say, let us do this. And then it says, and God, singular, it says, he made. This said, let us make. And then it says, he made. <laughs> and here in this text, okay. we, are told, we are told that this divine council has acted unjustly and they will die like men. Mm. Meaning, meaning, and then it says, Arise, O God, and judge the earth, and you shall inherit the nations. The idea, Kim, is that these other, other Elohim are the creatures created beings who end up in the book of Genesis ruling over the nations. This is after the Tower of Babel and becoming the gods, if you will, of, the, of those nations. But they are under judgment and they have a judgment coming. So, so this I'm would saying, be like, <laughs> so this would be like when, um, when Daniel says, you know, that uh, the angel Gabriel came and said, I was, but I was held up by the Prince of Persia. And yes. uh, so like that, so that the principality, you know, in charismatic circles, we call them the principalities over nations and regions. And, um, and so this is another reference to that. Okay, but this is before the fall. Yes, this is before the fall, right. And so they were part of the divine council. So one of the things I'll tell you immediately is that I reject the idea of a pre-creational fall. Okay. And, and I'm going to suggest to your listeners that the fall of man and the fall of the, in the, in the uh, spirit world was simultaneous. Mm. So I'm going to be blowing the mind as I go here. <laughs> it's good, though. That's good. <laughs> All right. Very interesting. So, so this is not reference. So I'm saying this is not Trinity. It's not it's not revelational of the Trinity. It's revelational of the divine council. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's something. Now, that understand, mm -hmm. I'm a teacher and I don't teach ex cathedra. I'm not a pope. <laughs> I teach as a learner, and uh -huh. and I want your I want your listeners to study to show themselves approved as workmen mm -hmm. who don't need to be ashamed, even as I have done, 
And then we enter into the theological dialogue. This is not crucial to anyone's faith. This right. is helpful in our walk, but it's not foundational to anyone's faith. No one's going to lose their faith over um, whether we disagree over this. So I want I want Christians to learn how to disagree and stay and stay um, loving with one another. And um, one of the worst things that's happened to evangelical churches is that we think that in order to go to church together, we have to agree on everything. And that's why we split, <laughs> right. up, we split up over everything. And we yep. don't have to. We have to, that's right. we have to have one faith, one, one baptism, one God and Father over all who's above all. All right. So okay. that was more than I intended to give, but I love that stuff. And yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've uh, taught this part of it. Let's look at man's original blessing. And so um, his the, God's uh, original assignment, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Next. And God blessed them. And God said to them, um, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea birds of the heaven over every living thing that moves on earth. So he gives them again, an assignment, be fruitful and exercise dominion. What we're seeing so far as I point out in a minute is we're seeing evidence that this is a covenant act without the, the word covenant does not have to be present for a covenant to be in effect. Um, Right. I'll, I'll give you another little piece from a movie. Um, you, you know the movie The Untouchables? With Sean no. Connery and Kevin Costner? Oh, um, no. I think Mike it's saw a, it, though. Oh, uh, it's a great movie. And in that movie, uh, Sean uh, um, Kevin Costner is recruiting Sean Connery into his um, FBI, the early FBI. And Connery doesn't want to do it, but they're they're sitting in church, and and uh, <laughs> Connery says, "Well, God hates a coward," <laughs> and he and he reaches he reaches out his hand to Coster, shakes his hand, and then he says to him, "Do you know what a blood oath is?" And he, and he said, he, he said. Um, yeah, he did know. And he said, well, it's good because you just took one. So when they shook hands, <laughs> he was saying, you made a blood oath. You're, now you're in a covenant with me. And of course, in that movie, it does work out that that's a, that, that's a covenant they made unto death. But yeah. <laughs> God's, God's original design for mankind is fruitfulness and dominion. Fruitfulness and dominion. And Kim... I don't know if you know this, but the world is on the verge of massive depopulation. Yes, I have heard that. Yes. Yes, we are in decline. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's only a few countries that are uh, still being fruitful and multiplying. (laughs) All All of them are in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Virtually, virtually every nation in the northern hemisphere is is reproducing below replacement rate, 
And um, uh, that's because of two things. One, prosperity. And two, the absence of faith. Wherever humans lose their faith in God, wherever faith is diminished, birth rates plummet. That's so because interesting, right isn't here, it? The original mandate is, a, right is all fruitful. But yeah. I, when he says I have to preach a sermon on the self, um, the, on the suicide of man, uh, <laughs> how, we, how, we, how we've come to hate ourselves and we're killing ourselves. But I don't. I won't do that today. Okay. All right. The original blessing. Now, first of all, I already just read you a passage where it says He blessed them. Yes. And here, here it says, and God said, "Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and fruit, and you shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and every." bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So God blessed them by taking care of their needs. But he also blessed them with both the power to reproduce and the power to exercise authority. So blessing is a, is a really big thing. And Kim as imagers of God, which I'll come to that more, we have the power of blessing within us. And yeah. I've said this, I know you've heard me say this before, and I don't think it's, it's not original to me. Whatever we bless increases. Mm. Even, Kim, if we bless evil things. Oof. That's scary right now. Well, and that's yeah. what we're doing. We're blessing right. all kinds of evil things. And in fact, we're very soon going to be commanded by law to bless evil things. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's upon us. Yeah. And then there's a special covenant blessing. Are you, are you doing all right? Am I? Am yes. I good. Yep. Mm -mm, good. Um, this is the first part of chapter two. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And then I just point out here, Sabbath is a sign of the relationship with that, that man has with God. And by the way, Sabbath is only given to man. Mm. Only given to mankind. How is it um, a sign of the relationship? Um well, let's let's keep we will we'll plow a little bit more forward, oh. and I'll, I'll pack okay. it right here. Sabbath blessing. Yes, got it. So the seventh day is the day of God's creation. So mm -hmm. so when we get seven, that's when God finished His work, yeah. and God rested. 
So seven is a day of one of the is a day of completion and a day of rest. Mm-hmm. But the seventh day is man's first day of dominion. So what happens is, so man's created on the sixth day, but the seventh day is his first day as a commissioned one to dim. So, so man enters into rest as a sign of his relationship with God. So rest is a gift of the covenant. So God works unto rest and man rests and labors out of rest. Okay. Okay. That's right. Because I see. So God created for six days. On the sixth day, he creates man. He gives man his assignment. And then the first thing, the first day of man's assignment is a Sabbath day, is a day of rest. It's the day of rest. So it enters into rest with God. Um, so a relationship with God is signaled by having rest. Okay, got it. Got it. And this, we, I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Hebrews, right? We talked about rest. If there hadn't been a rest, you know, entered into and, and, um, right. So rest is a trusting relationship with God. I can't remember exactly how you said it back then. There was, you had a particular phrase that you used about what rest was. Yeah. Well, see, I say here at the, at the bottom, rest is the life of faith. Ah, uh, that's right. Because the only reason you can take a day of rest is if you have faith. Because if you have no faith, then you got to work all the time. The only way you right. can rest is if you, is, if you, is if you believe that the rhythm of God of rest and labor. And let me say it again. It's, it's not labor and rest. It's rest and labor. And the reason is because man's first day was the day of rest. It's a phenomenal thing. It's like first he enters the relationship and then he labors. And then, of course, every Sabbath after that in, in the rhythm was uh, it becomes where we labor unto rest. But the creation was, was rest unto labor. Mm. And again, it's a sign of, of, of rest as the life of faith. And so again, the reason that we the reason that we don't have to work all the time is because we can actually trust our covenant God. And then right. you see this, then Sabbath is a blessing. The thing that humans do that is so so cussed, if I may say that. <laughs> gift of God and turned it into the most miserable thing. By the time of the of, of Jesus and the Pharisees, Sabbath was the most wretched thing on earth. They had turned it yeah. into a, a time, a, an experience of torment. It was just miserable. <laughs> but but um, so again, I'll say it this way. So faith is ultimately rest.
person who yes. is living in faith is living in rest. And we, we constantly uh, strive to enter into rest. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. My wheels are turning. I keep looking at this saying, yeah, so rest is a sign of the covenant. It's, you know, because we can rest because God has covenanted to care for us, to sustain us, to, uh, to meet our needs, you know, to do, to, and because it wasn't, right, you said it's not a contract where, if he does this, then I'll do this. He has made a covenant with us to take care of us, to care for us, to love us, to provide for us, to deliver us, to save us, all of all of that, that it means. And, and so rest is a sign. We can be at rest. And so, but we have to trust that. That's right. It's a gift to us. More. Yeah. You'll, you'll like this. You'll love this. Randy, we, you and I were just with Randy at Randy Clark yeah. at mm -hmm. Voice of the Prophets, where you ministered yes. wonderfully. Thank you. And remember that Friday, Randy gets up and the thing that was so beautiful, Randy's about to do an impartation service for over a thousand people. Yep. And Randy just immediately said, I do this, I've done this hundreds and hundreds of times and I have no concern whatsoever because this is all the work of God. I can't do anything. Yeah, that's right. I can't cause anything to happen. All I can do is just minister and I rest. John, remember you used to say, I love that, lay that fat hand on people and, and <laughs> God touches them. And it was beautiful as I was listening to our, um, our, our spiritual apostle, as he was just saying how he just rests in God. And, and you and I, when we go out and want to minister in the power of God, Life is so much better when we realize that we don't have to do anything but rest <laughs> yeah. in Him. Yeah. We can't cause healing to happen. We can't cause yeah. anything to happen. <laughs> mm -mm. So let's, right. uh, let's look at how this is a covenant. Now, uh, okay. these are the marks of covenant in creation. Marks of covenant. First of all, God's voice creates the world from nothing. It is unilateral. God does everything. And we, so it is a, a grant type covenant. It depends entirely on God. And I'll say it again, the uncreated God creates yeah. out of nothing. But it does have parties with obligations and responsibilities. God says to Adam, These are this is what you're to do. Now that I've done this, I want you to steward my creation. And then it has blessings and curses. Really, it has blessings 
I should, I should move that S to blessings and a curse. Because it was, it was all blessings and one curse. If you, okay. if you partake of this tree, you die. Although we haven't, we haven't yet hid the fullness of that. That, that comes, that comes uh, amplified in chapter two. And then it has a sign that identifies its members. That sign is rest. Mm. And then it has a specific locale, which is Eden. Now, let's talk about Eden just a minute before we go on. And I know okay. we're going to, well, we're good. We're, we're good on time. We'll be yeah, right. we're good. We're doing good. Um, uh, Kim, the more yes. I study Eden, the more I understand Eden was actually an ancient temple and it was built in the way that ancient temples was built. It was made in the way they're built. And it wasn't unusual for temples and gardens to be in one place. Oh. And, and um, I don't have, I don't have, time to do much of this but we can't not do a little of it it was also built in binary values heaven what does that mean heaven and earth land and sea male and female there's like seven binaries in the creation story and um if there's anything that people judge and reject nowadays, it's binary values. But you yeah. really can't do the Christian religious faith without these binary values that are made. God and man, heaven and earth. Um, you, you, can't, you can't do it. And so these are here and they're part of our faith and we accept them and we don't reject them. But there's one other thing in, an, in the ancient world, when they would build an ancient temple, the last thing that you put in a temple, you may know this. Do you know what you put in a temple last? No. You put, the, you put your God in there last. Oh, well, yes, that would make sense. <laughs> specifically, specifically, you put the image of your God in their the idol. Last. Yeah. yeah. Now, the interesting thing is so that we, we have foolish, because we look at uh, things made of stone and things made of wood, and we look at them and we say, well, how can you be so stupid as to believe that's a God? Well, we don't understand idolatry because they understood also that that was wood and stone. But they also understood that it represented the God they were worshipped. And so as soon as you put the image in a temple, then you would have a special ceremony to open the mouth of the God. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So what's the last thing that God does in his temple he places oh. his image in the temple yeah 
And so we come to carrying the Imago Dei, the image of God, our next piece. Now, I come at these things. I used to go, what is the image of God? Is it being capable of self-giving love? Is it being capable of choice? Is it being capable of self-reflective thought? Is it being capable of rational and abstract thought? Is it being capable of a delight and joy? All these things, I was like, is this what it's capable of doing? And um, I, I go a little further. You can go on to the next one if you want to. Uh, being, is it being capable of dominating everywhere except the everyone except the creator? And is it being capable of being a rival to the creator. Now, all of these things, Kim, have one thing in common. They are tasks. They are things we perform. Now, one of the things that's interesting about that, that helped me get away from that. So I don't think any of those things are the image of God. I don't okay. even think they... I don't even think as much as I used to that they, that they hint at the image of God. For one thing, the unborn cannot do those things yeah and the last thing we want to do is strip the child in the womb from being an image bearer of god so the image of god is is to image god to his creation to be his image not to carry some capacity to be his image in the world. I shouldn't say to carry it, carry to carry, not to carry these capabilities, but to, so it's, it's very simple. The idea is if you've seen me, you've seen the father. <laughs> That's what Jesus restored. <laughs> the image. Yeah. If if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's to it's to represent God in the earth. It's to be a priest king in the earth. And so it's it's a it's a it's a what we are. It's a not what we do or what we are capable of doing. Um, but let me not get away from my previous point that I don't want to get away from. Is that um, it is that uh, creation itself is a covenant because it carries all of the all of the um, characteristics of a covenant. And now, second, now here I want to say, and man is the the bearer of God's image in in his creation. Mm -hmm. So, so what are the conditions again? One is to have dominion, and two is to subdue the earth. Now, what is to, to, to have dominion means man is God's representative, man is God's priest, and there's no division of realms. There's no secular and sacred. Everything is one. Yeah. Only, only after the fall do we have a separation of realms. And then secondly, to subdue it, that implies resistance. Spiritual warfare is, it comes in a sinless condition. Mankind is told immediately that he is that he is here to subdue the earth. That means there will be some resistance, and uh, it also implies that man is capable. We will be mm -hmm. able to do it. I'm, I'm moving us along because I'm looking at our time, and I I'm aware that I've um, 
pushed us along here. And then That's the good. blessings of covenant. This is a very important thing to understand. Labor is a part of, is a blessing. And it's not a part of the fall. And so our indolent, unwilling to work children. <laughs> who were protesting, who were protesting uh, that, you know, that, that, that work is a curse. No nope, work is a blessing. Mm -hmm. It reflects creator and it ennobles the created one work is a blessing work is a blessing yep yep and then nakedness in the created state in the unfallen state was not shameful mm. in the sinless state the body is the servant of the spirit it does not dominate in the fallen Meaning state the dominates and the desires of the flesh dominate and oh, I see. Yes. serves the flesh yes and in and in uh, and in, and in, uh, un, in the created state there's no sense of rejection self-rejection or vulnerability by the way I don't put yeah. it in here but I actually believe that um I actually believe that uh, uh, in in the created state, man was covered in God's glory. Ooh, nice. We were clothed, I think we were clothed in light. Oh. I think we will be clothed in light in the eternal state. That's amazing. Yeah, that would be know. amazing. I don't know these things. And then I come bring us right back around to the Sabbath. Yeah. And so the blessing of Sabbath rest. Um, mankind was created for Sabbath rest. Yeah. And there it is stated again. And then I point out that God didn't rest because he was tired. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength. Rather, God's rest is the rest of an artist who, when he is finished, says it's done. It's a beautiful thing to be an artist because an artist, you can always add one more stroke to a painting. But an artist will come to the moment and say, no, it's done. And, he, <laughs> then, he, and then he rests in it. Mm -hmm. This is our God. He did his work. And he said, yes, the, it's the best. It's absolutely good. And so everything God creates is good. And then finally, the Sabbath invitation is where we will finish our, our, our time. All right. Um, so God created and man was to subdue and have dominion. And then I point out again, there was no eighth day. Man had entered God's rest and would labor out of rest. And the loss of rest is what happens in the fall. Mm. It is the cost of a broken covenant. Kim, this is, this cannot be overstated. 
Um, the, the broken covenant, we don't like ourselves and we, and we, can't, we can't rest. The wicked are like the troubled sea. They cannot rest. They cannot rest. And um, the desire to dominate won't let us rest. And the desire right. for perfection won't let us rest. And, and, and uh, to be in relationship with God puts us in perfect rest. Mm. And yes, it's <laughs> let, us, let us labor to enter into his rest. Most every covenant has some sign, sort of sign, and the, the sign of the creation covenant is the Sabbath day. Is okay. Sabbath rest. And that brings so us the, to the so end. The, yes. Ahead. Well, I was going to say on the slide, wait a minute, right here where you say God rested, was he tired? I really love that because because um, you say God's rest is a rest of an artist when he is finished. Well, he he completed everything, and he's he's a perfect God, and he brought everything to perfection, and that's another reason why we can rest. You know, and that that's why rest for us also is an act of faith, because we rest in the fact that God God has finished His work on our behalf. And it's enough. There's not anything I, left out. No, nothing left out. And Kim, I'm a, I don't know if I'm stretching, but I'll stretch a little bit. Okay. Uh, it makes me immediately reflect on Jesus' words um, that we spoke of already. It is finished. Yeah. So that when he restores all things, which is, what the cross effected was the restoration yeah. of all things. He said, it's finished. Yeah. Which is to say the, the, the ushering in of new creation is assured. Yeah. And yeah. we will enter into his labor again. <laughs> Yes. And I and think that as we No, yeah, go ahead. Finish. Now I was going to I was going to Ultimately salvation is entering into his rest. Yes. Yeah, talk more about that. How is that so? Um when when we call upon the name of the Lord We've been striving, 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 uh, striving to find a, our rest, striving to find our peace, striving to be good or be lordly or be great or be something. And it's all in ashes on the ground. And we, and we call upon him and we enter into a life of the one who has accomplished everything that's in our heart to be and do. And we enter into his rest, his finished work, his accomplishment. And that's the Christian life. The Christian life is, is okay. And Kim, this is what I'm, uh, even now at this point, um, 
this is the only time ever in that we know of in eternity that we have an opportunity to to walk with God by faith when our eyes can't see it, our ears can't hear it, our hands can't feel it, but to to walk with him in complete, and we do it by entering into his rest, his finished work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm I'm not real proud of myself for uh, how hard it was for me to take hold of that in the last few years. But I'm, but I'm coming back to myself and going, oh, it, it was always this way, always this way. Always. So every new challenge is a call to enter into his rest. Mm -hmm. And I think of every that's person true. out there that's in pain, mm -hmm. every person out there that's suffering loss, every person out yep. there that's confronted with the betrayal of, of this world and and the failures that they've had and the inability to see through this horrible day. And I think, oh God, oh God, that they could enter into your rest. Yeah. Yes. That we could enter the rest of God. All the things, all the things that interrupt our rest, um, are things that are apart from God. You know, they are things that don't come from God. It just keeps coming to my mind that they have to do like in the beginning when we talked about entering into a contract rather than a covenant is about fear versus love. But when we know that we are loved, we can be at rest, you know, because we're not striving to be loved anymore. We are loved. When we are trying to, uh, when we are competing with other people so that we can feel approved of, you know, that's an insecurity, which is, it's all from fear. You know, it seems that most of the ills that we suffer are from fear, you know, anxiety, depression, all of these things are because we are afraid that either we are not enough, we will not have enough, you know, or uh, we're, we won't be loved uh, we won't be good enough. It's all of these things. They all seem to stem from fear. But God has God has made given everything that we need. And it and it is enough. You know, there is enough love. There's enough mercy. There's enough grace. There's enough forgiveness. There's just enough because God is more than enough. And um, I think that I think that that's part of the the key to entering into rest, that faith, that trust, that, that it's, it's all okay. It's okay. We're going to be okay. Yeah. We're going to make it, you know, we're going to make it. And uh, as we just place our lives in his hands. This is why I, I want to keep, I want to keep uh, exercising myself to, to know our covenant keeping God. Um, it's the only way we can. It's the only way we can walk through this world. So many people walk through this world cursing and yeah. and hating their life, and either desiring to dominate people or desiring to 
extinguish themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and God called us to be ennobled by receiving his grace and receiving his commission and receiving mm-hmm. the fact that we are his imagers in this world. And so that, um, you know, we're here to show people how to go through what we're going through without falling apart in a world that's fallen apart. And then here to help each other when when we lose our perspective. Because I don't care yes. who you are, you get enough pain, you'll lose your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely true. And I I was thinking about to um I've I wonder if those, you know, deconstruction's a big thing right now. And um, and I don't mean deconstructing deconstructing in in the way of just questioning some of the things that we see that we know are wrong and so questioning if that's okay in church or as it has to do with faith but but I'm talking about deconstructing when you are so disappointed with God or you have an expectation of God that was not met you know or as C.S. Lewis says you put God in the box and you judge him for not doing what you feel he should have been done in a circumstance, you know, and, and, um, and then you walk away from your face. So you apostatize or, or completely just reject Jesus and your faith. And I wonder it, it, I was thinking while you were talking, I was one, I wonder if they feel more at rest now, you know, mm-hmm. than they were because because all their fear, you know, they gave into their fear and they had anxiety and, and questions and maybe some bitterness, maybe anger, all the things, you know, this is a human experience. We all suffer. We're all going to face trauma. We're all going to see evil in the world. And, um, and, and, and in the midst of that, when you have Jesus and you know, the covenant keeping God, you can rest when you give it all away, I wonder if there was, I wonder if there's any rest for them, you know, and um, it's just an there is. question. I've heard a lot of people say in the short term, they're happier. Um, oh. And, and hmm. uh, um, I don't think it's sustainable. That's, that's my point. But I think if yeah. you, for instance, if you have a bad experience with, with people who image God poorly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, who betray their vocation as some of us do. Yeah. Then, then you get away from that and you're happy you get away from that. But, but can it sustain you? And I, and that is the answer to that is uh, absolutely not. You can't be sustained in in a, in a life without, without God. And without the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so we 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 keep going. But I think we're we're headed for a time. Uh, we're have we're headed for a time of uh, um, a lot of uncertainty, and so it's important for us who um, are living in the revelation of these good things of God that it's important for us to to walk it out. It's also important for us to own it when we make a mess. <laughs> yes. 
it would go a long way. I think it would go a long way. Well, Alan, we have come to the end of our time. So I would love you to pray for us about rest and entering into his rest and uh, that we would that we would know the Sabbath for what it what it is as the sign of the covenant blessing. And um, and we'll end that way. And then we will come back next week with uh, week number four. Yep. So let me just say for every person out there that um, we're, I never teach this stuff as one who uh, has perfectly entered into it. I, I teach this stuff as one who has seen it. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm like Abraham. I've seen it afar off and I've embraced it and I'm, I'm living um, in anticipation of the fullness of it. Um, and yet in Christ, I've had a full, full revelation and experience of his goodness. And I've entered into the rest of what, what he has done. So let me just, let me just call you th that you would, that you would look unto Jesus. The Bible calls him the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising to the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. That sitting down phrase is the phrase of the fact that Jesus entered into complete rest for his labors. And what that passage goes on to do is to invite us to be seated with him. And over and over, Paul would invite us to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so now I bless you to apprehend that thing that God has done for you. And that you will, in the middle of your uncertainty, your pain, your depression, that you will find yourself reclining in the arms of the one who says, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly. Don't run from me, run toward me, come to me. And so now in the name of Jesus and based on um, his plea, his accomplishment, I bless you to experience the peace of God that passes all understanding to keep your heart and your mind at rest. And the Bible goes on to say, in Christ Jesus, peace I give you, Jesus said, not as the world gives, the peace I give you, no one can take it away. And this is Jesus. And he's yours. Accept it now. Accept it for your portion. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, friend. And uh, thanks for everything for today and for all those who are listening we will see you back again next week again this is the 10 week summer series on the covenant with my special guest and great friend dr alan hawkins alan thanks for being with us today and we'll see you back again next week and everybody else as well thank you for joining us for the move forward podcast we would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend you can connect with Dr. Kim on social media. For those links and more, visit her website, kimmoss.com.
Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and The Four Questions. You can find both books on Amazon. Remember, never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.